Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, we have Chris Sanderson from Sanderson Test Prep on the line with us. And Chris, I'd love if you could introduce yourself and a bit about your firm. Thank you so much, Tyler. I'm happy to be here. As you mentioned, my name is Chris Sanderson. My company is called Sanderson Test Prep, and we are a boutique educational services company uh, based out of Miami, Florida, originally. Uh, we also you know, provide services to students in New York and remotely around the country and even some students overseas. And we cover a variety of academic subjects as well as standardized tests like SAT, ACT, GRE, GMAT, LSAT, and MCAT as well. Yeah, fantastic. And and so today we wanted to talk about something that really can kind of straddle all exams, right? But how to stick to your study schedule even when it's hard or busy. And I think this is a particularly hot topic for the ACT and SAT with high school students because oftentimes they're doing their ACT and SAT prep while they're doing either their sophomore or their junior year, you know, rigorous academic schedule. Oftentimes junior years when you start AP classes, it's when you're in varsity sports for the first time. Um, and so I would love if you could just give us an overview of, of, the, of how to, you know, keep that study schedule firm and some tips and tricks around that. Uh, absolutely. As you mentioned, you know, especially in sort of the core prep time for those tests, ACT and SAT, it tends to be in the middle of a very busy junior year. If you can get right. through junior year, to be honest, college is going to be a breeze uh, if you can make it through that junior <laughs> year, because uh, that that is probably the year in your high school life where you're probably going to be the most overscheduled for things, generally speaking. And and one mm-hmm. of the keys to sticking to a study schedule is just to plan as far in advance as possible so that you're not putting test prep on top of your busiest times of year, but you're maybe mm-hmm. thinking ahead so that you can work test prep around that busy schedule instead of, you know, trying to pile it on. And I think that the ideal time for that is end of sophomore year is really the best time to sit down and think about what that next year is going to look like so that you can figure out the appropriate time to begin prep, how long that might take depending on your goals and what type of score you're looking to achieve, and work it into your schedule at a time when you know you are going to be able to stick to those commitments and where you don't have to juggle football practice and some AP classes and then try to pile test prep on. So if you can plan enough in advance, you can really make it a less stressful and a lot easier of a process. Yeah. So then tell me what are, when you're looking at this sort of big picture, what are the things that you feel like are important pieces of uh, the, to consider basically, right? Like an, an important windows like I've heard the advice for a lot of people, for instance, that if you do have, you know, varsity sports both semesters, you should consider either essentially either studying in the summer of sophomore year between sophomore and junior year or 
you know, planning your, your test taking around, you know, maybe the March test date in the, in the spring semester so that you don't have to deal with getting swamped by, you know, finals and your ACT, SAT in June. Sure. And I think it, that's where it's, it's a lot more individualized than a lot of material that you'll read online and maybe even hear from you know, a college counselor at your school that says, we recommend juniors take the test in March or in April or, you know, and, and there are right. oftentimes sort of more general, you know, prescriptions for what you should do outside of your individual circumstance. But that's where I think it is really advantageous to sit down with someone who's willing to take the time and help figure out the right plan for you, the individual student, because everybody's schedule is going to look a little bit different. So for example, summer prep is a great way to get ahead and a great way to accelerate that timetable of when you could potentially test, but that's not going to be for everyone. Uh, Mm -hmm. Two factors to consider are what your summer activities look like. And for some students, they really have good intentions and they say, well, I want to get in a few tutoring sessions or do some practice testing right after school ends my sophomore year. And I'm going to take three or four weeks and do a lot of SAT stuff, but then I'm leaving and I'm going to sleepaway camp for the next eight or 10 weeks after that. And if that's not something that you're going to continue with during that time, then the amount of time you've invested and the resources you've invested in that prep probably aren't going to allow you to achieve the results you were maybe hoping for at the end of the day because you're getting back from sleepaway camp and you're maybe starting from scratch. So it's important to kind of think about what your summer schedule looks like. And then it's also important to think about skill set. If you're a rising junior and you're going to be taking, let's say, AP Calc BC your junior year, well, then Mm -hmm. you're very advanced in math. And you probably have all of the skill set in terms of exposure and, and foundation that you need to achieve your dream score SAT-wise or ACT-wise. So you can plan on testing maybe a little bit earlier, potentially. And if you have a summer that allows you to do some prep, then you could maybe knock that test out earlier in the school year. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you are a rising junior who is, let's say, just going to be taking geometry for the first time your junior year, and you're not as advanced in math, Well, then it doesn't make sense to try to pile on a bunch of test prep in those summer months when you haven't gotten enough exposure to a core part of the exam and you're realistically going to need to test later in the year. You don't Mm -hmm. have to worry about trying to front load it as much. You need to get exposure, focus in your math class, do well, try to get the best grade possible, try to retain as much of that content. And then be in a better position to maybe take that first test in, let's say, March or April after you've had exposure to the vast majority of the geometry content that you'll see on test day. So some of it's skill set, some of it's schedule, and and there's a balance therein where you want to test typically a little bit earlier if you're a little bit more advanced because you don't want to run into what you mentioned that rigorous academic year where the spring testing among APs or, you know, IB exams or whatever type of accelerated program a student might be connected to, you don't want to run into that schedule where it becomes overwhelming to do it all at once. Testing earlier Mm -hmm. might be more effective. 
And then with extracurriculars, you want to look at if there are seasonal times of year as to when you're going to be busier and when you're just going to have less time available, you know, to actually prep. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are two things there that I wanted to kind of highlight. Um, the first is, and sort of this is repeating what Chris said, but it's it's important to like scope out the tests, right? And And figure out what are the pieces of the test that you already have sort of like the foundational knowledge of and which ones you may not. And then whether you're going to learn that anytime soon, right? Um, you should hopefully have learned everything by the end of your junior year, right? That's kind of what the tests are angling towards. Uh, but if you, you know, if you've learned it already and you're, and you're kind of further along or you feel like you are, then you could potentially accelerate your timeline. But if not, then you really can't. Um, so that's, I thought that was a really good point. And then the second point is, or the second thing I thought uh, was an important point was just you talking about not having big breaks in your studying. I think that's a key thing to think about when you're building your study schedule is studying really hard for four weeks and then taking eight weeks off will actually not be that helpful. In general, you should be, it's better to study consistently over time. And also after a certain point, you will start to forget things, right? Like generally speaking... Um, I mean, for achievable, right? We, we consider four weeks as like our longest period that we would expect somebody to remember something, right? Like technically it can get longer and longer if you continue to study, continue like over time and refresh that thing that you learned. But if you're studying something and then you leave for four weeks, there's a very high chance that you're not going to remember what you studied or it'll take some work to get that back into your memory. Absolutely. I think that, so part of just the way that memory works naturally is when you go to recall something, you are revisiting the last time that you sat with that material. And so if you're exposed to something for the first time, you need to see it maybe a little, you know, like um, sooner to be able to internalize that than if you've been exposed to something 30 times, you know, there can be those larger spans of time in between. And, and that I think is a really good point that, you know, alludes to another topic that I think parents sometimes don't think about in advance. And and students sometimes I think optimistically say, I'm okay. I'm okay studying for this. I, I can fit it in. You know, I can do this for X amount of time. And, there's a a little bit of a flow or flux to that that I think is is kind of natural and I equate it you know with a sports analogy but it's like when do you want your team to be playing the best like you want your team Mm -hmm. in theory to be playing the best right as the playoffs are beginning that's gonna give Mm -hmm. you the best chance of winning a championship you don't necessarily want your team to be playing the best to start the season and everybody's really excited and enthusiastic and working hard and fully engaged. And, you know, you have the full buy-in game one. And then halfway through the season, you've kind of lost a little bit of that enthusiasm. And you've lost a little bit of that momentum. And you start right. decelerating heading into the time of the season when it's really going to count the most. You want it to, you know, like find that right sweet spot of where you're going to find a time when you can really commit to the prep and commit fully, prioritize it, 
And I think planning ahead allows you to wrap it around your schedule in a fair enough way that you can dedicate yourself to it, even while you're doing your regular coursework. It doesn't have to be the greatest amount of time on task to achieve to success, but it does have to be, I think, you know, the greatest commitment in terms of how you prioritize it and, and the consistency with which you prep. And I think that's where, you know, some people expect that if they just put in the greatest total number of hours, that that will achieve the greatest result without thinking about how those hours are broken up and when they mm -hmm. do have the gaps in between or when they're doing something, let's say, with intention and very purposefully versus just kind of loosely or, you know, um, in a less focused manner or whatever the case is. So, you know, I think that those are some of the factors that can be easy to overlook when people are coming up with their initial plan is they just tell themselves right. that they can do it all. And I think being realistic for both parents and students is a really important piece of making sure that you're going to create a prep schedule that can be something a student will stick to and maybe even be excited about and say, hey, this can be an opportunity mm -hmm. for me rather than this is an obligation or something taking me away from other things that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And I agree with you. You've got to finish strong, right? Um, I think that that like angling your test schedule and also, or so, yeah, angling your test schedule date around a time when you can finish strong, I think is super important. Um, you'll, you know, those last two weeks before the test, you'll probably make more of your score gains than any other two weeks that you studied, right? Um, just like, you know, assuming the same amount of time. And I also think that the other thing that's important to think about as you're, as you're mapping out your semesters coming up is to be realistic about how much time everything's going to take and when it will be, right? And so what I mean by that is like, you know, it's actually probably worthwhile to build a schedule where you're, you know, time boxing, like, okay, I'm at school from this time to this time, I've got practice from this time to this time, so you've got it blocked off on your calendar, and then blocking off time for homework, right? I mean, you don't know exactly how much homework each class will have, but you can probably get a rough sense, and if you really need to, you could talk to your fellow classmates, or even, like, the professor, the, the teacher of the class, or the, the college counselor, and just be like, hey, you know, we're doing... AP physics next spring, like, you know, how many hours of homework a week do you typically think that is? I'm trying to plan my schedule. I think most teachers would be pretty open to sharing that, right? Because you're being proactive about preparing. I think with a student that proactive, teachers would be downright thrilled to try to offer yeah. as much guidance as they could. Uh, you know, that's, you know, on the teaching side of things, that's a great question to be asked and, and something that, you know, makes you excited about someone who's, you know, really trying to prioritize your class. So yes, please ask your teachers those questions, ask other students who've taken the courses, you know, that's just going to help make an easier year for you, regardless of test prep, you know, just to be able to wrap your head around what to expect, um, you know, in a given school year. I think, uh, you know, I think, I think in terms of the realistic nature of what you should expect for test prep, what also happens, even with the most dedicated students, is that there's an urgency to what you're doing in class that is hard to replicate with test prep because you have an opportunity to take an SAT in March or May or June or August or October 
or November right. or December, you have multiple opportunities. Same thing with ACT. You know, they have a schedule where you've got an opportunity every month or two to take a test. And so that's easy for that kind of work to be put on the back burner compared to your math class where you have a quiz tomorrow or your history right. class where you have, you know, a test on Friday or you know, an English class where you have to write an essay by Wednesday or, you know, those due dates are so much more urgent. And so a lot of times what happens with students is that they have every intent to set aside a significant amount of time for test prep, but they overestimate what that time might look like and underestimate the need for the urgency of their schoolwork. And your schoolwork should be prioritized because it is more urgent. I do understand that. But I think that if you're telling yourself you're going to do an hour of SAT every night during the week, that's probably not realistic your junior year. Just, mm -hmm. you know, thinking very, you know, like average run-of-the-mill student, average number of extracurriculars, average number of rigorous academic courses. You know, just for the average student during a very busy junior year, that's probably not a realistic expectation as to have that kind of time. So I think that if you can decrease the amount of time significantly from what a lot of people might suggest, but increase the valuable use of that time by really committing to it, sticking to that schedule as closely as possible and making sure that the time that you do use, you use very effectively. Uh, and you know, mm -hmm. for that, I mean, you, you see it all the time. If you go to the gym, you see people who spend two hours at the gym, but they're taking 20 minute breaks and chatting it up and, you know, like grabbing a you know protein drink in between every set. And they're not really utilizing those two hours very effectively. And you see people who are at the gym for 30 minutes and they are exercise after exercise on a very you know strict schedule. And they're actually being more productive in much less time. And that's really the way that you want to approach test prep, because unfortunately, you aren't going to have all the time in the world to dedicate to it. You are going to have to weave it around an already busy schedule at a very busy time in your life. And if you can really have that intention and purpose with the way that you prep, I think that's where you can really maximize what you get out of it rather than trying to increase this overall number of hours to some magic number that should equate to a score. It's really about the way you right. utilize it. Yeah, like on you know, unlike maybe the summer job that you had, um, the hours don't matter, right? <laughs> that's, a great, matters that's a great way to put score. it. Yes. Uh, so you know, you should be when you're approaching studying, and I know that it's, I know it's tempting to you know say I'm going to study for an hour, and not be that focused in that hour. Maybe maybe you're on your phone a little bit, or or whatever is kind of distracting you. Maybe the TV's on, you're kind of distracted. But then you can go to your mom and be like, I studied for an hour, right? And sure, like, that is great if your only goal is to make your mom feel like you're working hard. But if your goal is to get the best score on this test, which it should be, it's better to spend half an hour, you know, no TV, no phone, focused every day. And I think it's also important to kind of get your parents on that page too, right? To get them to understand that, you know, and maybe you're working with a tutor, but just, or maybe you're working with your college counselor, but just like, Hey, I got the advice that like a smaller amount of time, but focus is more important. Right. So 
I'm doing half an hour a day, but for this next, for this half hour, I, I really can't be disturbed by anything, right? Like we need to treat this as like test time as if I'm taking it. Absolutely. And yeah, one even minor thing that we start working with students on uh, prior to the start of school is we try to get them to do test prep at times of day and in the kind of setting that they will be able to maintain once their really busy schedule starts to kick in, once they have their regular academic coursework and extracurriculars to factor into that. So if you get used to it in the summer and you're being great, you know, you start doing prep, let's say, a month before school starts and you're waking up every day at 10 a.m. and you grab some breakfast and relax and, you know, then around 11, you sit down and you do SAT for a dedicated hour a day and then you still, you're done by 12. You have a great rest of your summer day. Maybe you grab lunch with a friend, you know, go outside, you know, whatever activities you want to, you know, incorporate into that. That's an amazing schedule and that's a lot of test prep time to commit to. But as soon as school starts, day one, well, that schedule is no longer possible. And so mm-hmm. usually what we see happen, unfortunately, is that SAT or ACT ends up becoming low man on the totem pole of priorities because you have the urgency of everything else that's happening, as we mentioned. And that's when it's hard to then find a new space for it. So right. if you know that you have 15 minutes after dinner from 7 till 7.15 p.m., on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays that you can say, I don't have anything that's going to be scheduled during that time. I can take those 15 minutes, even on top of other homework and whatever else. It's only 15 minutes, and that's something I'm willing to commit to, and I'm really going to dedicate myself to that. That's less than an hour a day, but that's a schedule that you can maintain consistency therein in terms of during the week. Now, on weekends, you'll Mm -hmm. probably have to lengthen those study sessions on occasion. Sometimes you've got to do a full-length practice test to achieve the greatest results. Some of it is endurance-related, so it can't always be 15-minute study sessions, but for during the week, that's a great way to start training yourself to commit to it at a time that you can continue even when your schedule gets busy. Right, and you could always, you know, go from an hour a day during the summer to, like, 30 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day during the school year, but I think the importance is studying consistently multiple days a week, right? Do you mm-hmm. feel like there's a sweet spot with the n- number of days you study a week? And is there any distribution between, you know, you have like the small sessions during the week and then big ones on the weekend kind of thing? Uh, sure. And, I, you know, I, I do recommend four, I call it touches, you know, per week with whatever activity it is you're trying to seek improvement in. It's very difficult uh, because you also have, I think when you, overdo it if you take a four-hour test let's say every Sunday but then you have that mental fatigue from having taken the test you're maybe not going over it fully or comprehensively or effectively and then you're taking let's say like a full week off in between then you're doing another four-hour test I would equate that to running or you know any other you know kind of athletic endeavor where a four-hour practice is going to physically exhaust you And you're Mm -hmm. going to have several days where you're recovering and you're not able to perform at your peak ability level because you have overexerted yourself and you haven't built Mm -hmm. up to that, you know, kind of, um, you know, endurance factor that you need to get through something like that. And it's hard to see 
a linear improvement, you know, when that's the case, it ends up flatlining a little bit more than when you give yourself those shorter practice sessions where you can really do some focus kind of training and mm -hmm. then simulate the game experience or the test day experience and then just execute, you know, when it counts. And I think that kind of build up is, is where you're going to be able to achieve more. But yes, I, I completely agree that you want to try to develop that consistency. And I think, I think four times per week of some level of test prep focus. And again, some of those sessions might be 10, 15 minutes on your own just to stay sharp. And some of those sessions might be where you sit down for a few hours and you're taking full length sections and going over it in, in detail. You know, uh, you do need to allow for both, but you want to make sure that that number is around four times a week or more to have a mm -hmm. consistency factor that will let you achieve what you should based on your skill set. Right. And I definitely, I can't recommend highly enough, uh, block that time on your calendar so that you are sticking to it and that also nothing gets scheduled over it. And so that your parents know that it's there. Yeah, and, and that's... like, no, not to schedule you for it either. Yeah, and that's something, you know, I think that um, if you are working with a tutor who's offering some guidance there, it's also important to make sure you split that up because sometimes what we see, since we do offer academic subject tutoring, is a student will have an SAT session on Sundays at three, and then they'll have, you know, a session that's intended to be for their geometry class or their chemistry class or whatever it is on Wednesday evenings at seven or something like that. And sometimes Sundays at three, that student says, hey, would it be okay if we did a little geometry tonight or this afternoon or a little bit of chemistry because I have a test tomorrow? And again, that urgency factor tends to kick in. But if you can block off that time and really say, hey, Sundays at three are just going to be SAT time, period. I'm not going to deviate mm -hmm. from that. Um, I think you can get a lot out of that because I think that uh, if you're forcing yourself to prioritize it, you're also going to get a lot better and a lot more efficient at handling everything else. If you're not giving yourself that outlet to say, well, all this time I had set aside for SAT, I'm going to just, I'll do my history homework then. I'll study for, you know, my literature test right. then. If you, if you give yourself that outlet, then it is a little bit easy to deprioritize the SAT, ACT prep. If you don't give yourself that outlet, you actually get more efficient with the rest of your coursework and every other busy activity you have going on during that year as well, because you're not giving yourself <laughs> that chance to sort of second guess that schedule that you originally took the time to really think about and come up with. Right. And I mean, I also think the other thing that I've heard that I, that I agreed with when I talked to someone else about this is that you should not look at your schoolwork and your SAT or ACT prep work in the same way. Like, your schoolwork, I mean, yes, some of it's hard. Yes, it's all definitely urgent. But it's also, a lot of it is, you know, okay, you learned how to find the sides of a right triangle. Now do this eight times, right? And so the it's the kind of work that you could be... Like, when you're studying for the ACT or SAT, you should be completely focused, and you should not have any, like, big distractions, right? Like, I know some people say you should still study in a somewhat busy room in your house just so that it's not, like, pristine, because on test day there will be noises, too. But at the end of the day, like, you've got to pay attention. And other homework, 
sometimes, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but sometimes you don't have to pay as close attention when doing your homework and you're better off doing that homework during like study hall where your friends are there or, you know, during like a break at school or on the bus ride home or whatever it is. Like you can start to kind of find lower quality time where you can weed like out some of the busy work of school so that you can focus your high quality attentive time on the SAT and ACT. Agreed. And I, I think I think even with just regular school work, there's different types of work that we can potentially identify as quote unquote busy work, where mm-hmm. if you're, for example, making flashcards for a class, which I know sounds like an outdated thing, but some students still like to actually write them out as opposed to using Quizlet or something of the like. But if you're making flashcards by hand, making the flashcards you could probably do in study hall when there's background noise and, you know, people chatting and even talking directly to you, sitting down and really memorizing those flashcards, that might be an activity that requires a little bit more focus. And same thing with with SAT. I always, you know, I, I actually feel bad for students when they say, hey, I did all my homework this week. And then we look over it and they got one or two questions right out of 10 on reading passages. And normally they perform great. And you say, whoa, what happened here? This is a little bit, you know, more error prone than our typical work. And they say, oh, well, yeah, no, I knew that was going to be a terrible section because I did it during study hall and everyone was around me was talking and and I wasn't really paying attention to what I was reading. And then I feel bad because that student really intended to try to seek improvement, but they really truthfully wasted that hour. Because yeah. they spent that time taking a test in an environment where they couldn't really gain from the experience of taking that test. They can't learn from those mistakes because those aren't reflective of what you're going to do in an actual test-like environment. So if you are going to sit down and take the time to prioritize it, you really want to do it you know, with the right mindset. Um, and I think, you know, not to sound corny or hokey, but the truth is standardized tests can be a really great opportunity and I think can be something that students look at in a very positive light. If you think Mm -hmm. of it as a lot of schools, when it comes to application time, are going to evaluate standardized tests with almost, if not as much weight as your GPA, let's say, from four years of high school education, which means that the test is important, but it also means it's a great opportunity because anything that you can't change, like the grade you got in your math class in ninth grade or in your history class in 10th grade, you can't always go Mm -hmm. back in time and change those. But in 11th grade, you can find a way to plan ahead, prioritize a schedule and sit down and really focus on preparing for an SAT or an ACT with purpose and do it very intentionally and achieve a score that maybe helps right the ship or overcome the fact that you got to be in that class that you should have had an A in last year, or you forgot to turn in an assignment so your final grade in a certain class from two or three years ago potentially wasn't maybe reflective of your capability as a student. This is an opportunity Mm -hmm. to open doors, not something that you have to worry about, but a a real chance to, you know, put it in front of you as you know, something that I think offers some silver lining to a lot of students who are able to, you know, get the right plan in place and, and execute it. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to, I'd love to zoom back out for the end of this to sort of the macro, like picking your test date and then, you know, and 
that tying into the study schedule. So you mentioned there's like there's tests in August and October. If you've got kind of an open summer but a busy junior year planned, do you feel like it's a viable approach to basically study all summer, take take it the first time in August, right, right after you've had the whole summer to study, and then try and keep some schedule going and take do your second take in October? Is that like a strategy you recommend? Because it's not one I hear about super often. Most people I hear about are taking it in, you know, either early in March of the spring or in like May, June. Uh, right. So the traditional timeline that you, you would hear recommended for most juniors would be March is when you would begin, you know, SAT testing and then ACT February might even be considered a touch early. April is probably more common for when people might on a traditional timeline be, uh, you know, intending on taking their first test. If you're pretty advanced, like we spoke of, then you can accelerate that timeline towards the earlier parts of the year because you probably have had the exposure to the right amount of content and material or maybe have developed the necessary skill set to do well at that time of year. Uh, and SAT is a great one to um, also look at because junior year, you take your PSAT, which counts for your national merit score qualifying test. That's a potential scholarship opportunity if you mm -hmm. achieve a certain level of score. And so if you're a really high-performing student and national merit is something that looks like it might be an opportunity that you could score qualify for because you're on track to perform very well on your PSAT, well, then doing SAT prep so that you are really sharp heading into that time of the year, you could take an early October SAT, take a mid-October PSAT, and maybe take an early November SAT and knock it out of the park that month and be done and not have to right. worry about the test encroaching on your schedule later in the year. But that would be relatively atypical on the more advanced side in terms of where a student is as far as skill set and as far as coursework and, and things like that. Now, if you're a junior taking geometry and, you know, and you play varsity football, which is going to be very busy during the fall with practice and with games and so forth, then a fall prep schedule is probably not super realistic. You need the content exposure to the geometry. You are going to be overwhelmed with you know the demands of practice time and so forth with football. You're going to need to wait till that schedule lightens a little bit later into the fall. And a March test or even a May test as your first one might make way more sense. You know, and that's why planning right. ahead matters so much. Not just you know, so that you can take general recommendations, but so that you can look at what your factors are that are going to impact, you know, when testing makes sense for you. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Any any concluding thoughts on, on building a great study schedule and, and sticking to it? Start small and stick to it. Just like with anything, it has a lot more to do with habit forming than it does about, you know, trying to brag about the length of time that every, you know, SAT study session, you know, was on your calendar. It looks cool to put something on the calendar for four hours at a time, but if you're not able to keep it and stick to it, then it's silly to just 
plan to spend more time than necessary. So start small. Right. If you can do even and during sophomore during year, it. yeah. If you can dedicate ten minutes a day of focus time and get comfortable sticking to that, you can always ramp it up and incorporate more time in other parts of your schedule. You know, I often say that, yeah, social media time can always decrease and SAT time could always increase if it really needed to. Yeah, I think that there's always an opportunity to find a few extra minutes in the day for all of us. But I think getting in that really good routine and habit of when I do sit down with this, I'm going to sit down regularly at committed time intervals and do it in a very focused and purposeful way. I think if that's the way you're approaching it, you'd be really surprised at how easy and stress-free the process can be. And that's where that optimism comes in. Look at it as a really exciting opportunity and set aside some time to dedicate to using that opportunity to open doors for yourself when it comes time to submit those applications senior year. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Chris. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Chris Sanderson from Sanderson Test Prep. And you can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course for free by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off.